0: This afternoon we're going to be looking at the uh, topic of um, how self-compassion breaks the power of perfectionism. And I was joking with someone just you now. I just hope I get this right. <laughs> 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 I really hope my whole identity is rooted. In... <laughs> yeah. This talk is what we owe really the whole a whole huge debt to the work of a lady called Granny Brown, a PhD, mm-hmm. um, her book The Gifts of Imperfection. And then Rochelle did this amazing painting which really talks about the whole heart of life of con- compassion, connection, vulnerability, being enough, belonging, courage, embracing imperfection, cultivating worthiness. And she in her research she found that people who had a whole hearted life were cultivating ten traits and letting go of certain things as well. So this afternoon we're going to be talking about um, how self-compassion um, breaks the power of perfectionism, and then Paul's going to be looking at creativity and how creativity breaks the power of comparison. So I really believe that the, that we're going to be uh, exposing a whole uh, part of our heart to the uh, freedom of God this afternoon. And can certainly testify in my own life, there are moments in God where you hear something, you maybe read something, you listen to a talk, and it was the moment where you got freedom. And I just believe that, that God's arranged this afternoon as he wants to bring us into greater levels of freedom from comparison and from perfectionism. Brenny Brown her book says that perfectionism is like walking around with a two-ton shield. To protect ourselves from pain. And the idea is that if I can live perfect, if I can act perfect, if I can speak perfectly, if I can behave perfectly, if I can do all those things, I can shield myself, I can protect myself, or at least minimize the pain that comes from uh, the fear of criticism or um, the fear of being blamed or the fear of being shamed. It's important to know that uh, perfectionism is really different from the pursuit of excellence. Mm. Excellence is about, for example, I want to create an excellent environment for people to feel comfortable and feel really, really valued. Perfectionism has very, very little to do with anybody else apart from what goes on in in our own heart. Perfectionism is I need to perform, act, speak, do perfectly so that I have a sense of worthiness. It's all about creating a sense of worthiness. I'm looking for a verdict from what I do. Excellence is I don't need a verdict. I'm doing it to serve and to bless and create a space to do others good. If we, if we imagine perfectionism on a continuum, um, we all probably suffer with it to some degree or other. Um, for some of us, um, we, we might express perfectionism by we hide our flaws. We don't want anybody to see um, that we're weak in any, any area of our lives. It might be through working really hard to manage people's perception of us. Um, it might be that we do things to win people's approval. And so we're pretty all on the kind of continuum doing that to some degree or other. For some of us, we can find our lives, we're completely relaxed in every area of our lives, but then we find ourselves to have a perfectionist tendency in just one area. Um, we can feel that I am how well I do and how well I achieve and how I look in just... One particular area. For others of us, perfectionism can be utterly crippling and it can leave us feeling um, that we're actually in life paralysis. That perfectionism can leave us feeling completely imprisoned and debilitated. That we're imprisoned by and ruled by the need to please everybody. To get everything just right in all of our relationships. To say everything just right. The uh, coming back after a conversation and wanting to analyze the whole conversation bit by bit by bit. I said this, they said that. Did I say it just right? Did I please? It can be um, crippling, debilitating, and life paralysis through performing that we literally don't know who we are at all because we're so busy trying to perform and trying to act and trying to um, perform what we think is the perfect way. Others of us can be so um, paralyzed by perfectionism that we feel we can never do anything until it's absolutely perfect. And so we could never invite anybody around for a meal unless it's a perfect meal. That... We could never write that book unless it's a perfect book. That we can never do anything unless we get it absolutely perfectly. So if we can imagine that perfectionism is driving the car of our life. Okay, so perfectionism is driving the car. In the seat next to the driver, in the passenger seat at the front, is going to be shame. And shame is really different from guilt. Guilt. Guilt is this, I have done something wrong. That's, that's guilt. I did this, I feel guilty. Shame is different because it says I am something wrong. Shame is connected to identity. So it's sometimes easier for us to say sorry for something we feel guilty about than something we feel shameful about because shame is attached to our identity. So if perfectionism is driving the car and shame is sitting in the passenger seat, fear is the annoying seat driver. So perfectionism travels in the least freeze. I would suggest it probably travels as well with control and probably in the boot as manipulation. So if you can get shame out of the driving seat, you can deal a death blow to shame, you can kill fear, you can get rid of control, and you can get rid of repent, uh, you can repent and change manipulation too. Perfectionism, shame, and fear, these three are the foundation for creating negative self-talk. If we want to kill the negative voice in our head, we have to understand that perfectionism, shame and fear are at the foundation of negative, harsh judgmentalism or, as some writer says, flagellation and you see religious whipping their back to atone for mistakes. So this is an important point. Because the way compassion, self-compassion breaks perfectionism is that it changes negative self-talk. It it deals a blow with negative self-talk. Many of us grew up with the idea that actually self-criticism was really helpful for maturity. We maybe it was a teacher, or a parent figure, or a mum or a dad, or some authority figure, people in our lives have often used harsh criticism as a motivation for us to change our behaviour. So that when we become Christians, we then believe that harsh self-talk, self-criticism, and harsh judgment on ourselves... Are actually tools to motivate us towards maturity, repentance, sanctification, and growth. Which then places us in the position of partnering with the accuser of the brethren as a motivational tool for our own maturity, growth, and sanctification. And so we can have in our head a voice that says, What will people think if you don't perform well? Your ego is on the line. You are not good enough and everyone can see you. You're not good enough, you're not worthy enough and everyone can see it we then take that as a tool to motivate us I will be good enough I will try harder I will do better in the future we eat a whole packet of crisps and we hear the well, a whole packet of Oreo and we hear <laughs> the voice in our head say you disgust me you make me sick mm-hmm. and then we think that's a motivational tool to be more careful and strict with ourselves. So perfectionism can actually be really really addictive. Perfectionism can be really addictive because it's actually about the unattainable longing to be perceived as perfect. and it does not matter how much time energy, emotion you to, you put in trying to act please please and perfect. You can never control people's perceptions. You can never control how people regard you. And so perfectionism creates impossible and exhausting goals that you can never, ever reach. But like the gambling addict who believes that it's just the next football match, the next horse, the next dog track bet that's going to make it, the perfectionist believes It's just if I can do a little bit better, try a little bit harder, maybe then I'll be perceived as perfect. So to conclude, how does self-compassion then break perfectionism? It breaks it by us learning to be kind to ourselves. So when we don't get something perfect, we don't please perfectly, we don't perform perfectly, on the basis of the gospel we can say, of course there's something wrong with me. That's why Jesus had to die. (laughs) So we have to take the gospel and apply it to ourselves practically to break the power of a negative self-talk. It's interesting that we talk much about preach the good news to everybody else, but we also need to preach the good news to ourselves, that we go to the world and tell them about the love, kindness, compassion, and goodness of God, but to ourselves, we partner with a spirit that accuses or an internal, critical, judgmental voice and think that's motivation towards sanctification. So grace frees us to be real. Grace frees us to be wonderfully vulnerable. And grace frees us from having to perform in any way whatsoever. So the good news of the gospel is the trial is over and the verdict is in. Somebody went to court in your place, Jesus, somebody was condemned for you instead of you and now you have no condemnation and the one who is holy says that you are holy and you are perfect yeah come on so perfectionism gets broken as we recognize that i'm no longer in the court the court has been adjourned i have been found not guilty because someone else was found guilty on my behalf, now there is no prosecution. So I do not need to prosecute myself and you do not need to prosecute yourself. So when the temptation comes to be harsh and judgmental and self-critical and the the prosecution comes in, you can say, actually, I'm not even in the court anymore. (laughs) The court of heaven has found me not guilty. And I no longer need to create my own defense through my pleasing, performing and perfecting. I no longer have to achieve some impossible ideal in order to appease the prosecution and give the defense something to defend me with. The trial is over. So there's no need to please, there's no need to perform, and there's no need to perfect. And then it's tuning into the voice of God, the kindness of God, the compassion of God. The Holy Spirit comforts us unconditionally. He's loving, accepting, kind, and compassionate. Suddenly, the believer is free to be seen. It's one of the things that perfectionism does. It causes a person to hide rather than be seen. Now, we can be seen. Suddenly, we can dream huge, big dreams and not be fearing failure. Mm. Because part of the imprisonment of perfectionism is to only attempt what you know you can achieve on your own without God. It enables you to fail and say sorry without being crippled and debilitated. And it enables you to get back up and go again.